Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Okay. Uh, Then I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet and turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 7. As you are standing and turning there, I want to just remind us of what's going on. We are traversing Joshua this year, and we left it a few weeks ago when the Israelites had, had experienced a great success. They had gone to the city of Jericho. God had told them to march around that city, and then eventually, after a great shout, those walls fell, and they experienced a great success. The only thing is that God had told them, if you remember, do not take any of the treasure for yourself. You keep that for me. Well, one of the gentlemen, one of the men, Achan, decided to take something for himself. As a result, just shortly after Jericho, they go to take on the city of Ai. Now, Ai was a smaller city, a smaller garrison or a military outpost, a small one. In fact, the Israelites said, we don't need to send too many there. Well, Ai defeated Israel, and that caused a great, uh, a great crisis in the people of Israel. So we find Joshua on his face before the Lord repenting uh, and uh, crying out to God in desperation. So we're going to read Joshua chapter 7, verses 10 through 13. The Lord said to Joshua, someone read it with me, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own things. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. I'm going to read that again. That is why. Someone say, that is why. That is why why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Verse 13, God says, go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. Again, he says, you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Heavenly Father, let us, let us be impressionable like little children. We have come into agreement with you today. We are not rebellious. We do not want to be stiff-necked. We do not want to be stubborn, Lord. We want to be teachable. So impress your word upon us. Not mine, Lord, but yours. Impress your word upon our hearts. Keep us, Lord, from the devoted things. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The message title today is, You Cannot Stand With Buried Idols. You Cannot Stand With Buried Idols. One of the most powerful portions of that account that we just read is simply God explaining to the people of Israel 
the dynamics of their relationship. He says to them again, you cannot stand against your enemies while you have these devoted things. You cannot stand against your enemies. They lost the battle at Ai, not because they weren't strong enough, not because they weren't skilled enough. They didn't lose the battle at Ai, watch this, because Ai had the high ground and they couldn't surmount that, uh, that uh, entrenchment. It wasn't that God didn't love Israel and that's why Israel failed. They failed because there was compromise in the relationship they had with God. Follow me. Our skill set, our network, our talent will only get us so far. And it won't get us anywhere near the, div the divine purposes of God unless we have taken our talents and gifts and skills and submitted them along with our hearts to the will of God. Someone say amen. amen. That's how you get where you should get. It's taking what you have and submitting it to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Saying, God, I know that I can do nothing without you. I can do nothing without you. Israel was not going to win a fight without the grace of God on their lives. It was a lost cause. All that was going to happen if Israel was going to do things in a compromised fashion was lend themselves to hurt and loss and failure and shame. See, what God has offered us as his people is a covenant relationship. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will, I will go before you. He told Joshua, wherever you set your foot, I'll give you. He says, but here's the thing. You must keep my commands. David, in the Psalms, if you read it, if you pay attention, it'll blow you away. Because David writes things like, I love your laws. I love your precepts. I love, in other words, but he, you know what David is saying when he says, I love your laws, I love your statutes, I love your precepts. These are all legal terms. He's saying this, he's saying this, catch this friend. God, I love your boundaries. Someone say amen. I love your boundaries. I love it when you tell me no. Now, who in their right mind likes to be told no? We come out the womb saying yes, not no. No, we say no, not yes. When we're kids, we don't want no one telling us no. And when we're adults, we don't want someone telling us no. How can David say, I love it when you tell me no? Because he knew the heart of God. That God's no was a supreme blessing. God's no was a good father taking care of him as his son. That's why he said, I love your laws. I love when you tell me don't go there. And I love when you tell me I got to go here. David learned to trust God, to trust his heart. Are you with me? This is why we're telling you, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Don't Google about God. Read the Bible. Don't learn about God from a coworker who doesn't know. You don't know where he got his or her information. Go to the word of God. Yeah. We, you need to know God so you can trust him. 
You can't trust someone you don't know. You trust people you know. We got to know who God is. We got to know who God is. We learn from the scriptures. He's eternal. He's always been. He's omnipotent. He has all power. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's immutable. He never changes. He's eternal. He's love. He's good. We know that about him because of the word. When you know him through his word, we willingly, willingly, willingly will submit ourselves to him. But we cannot stand with buried idols. When we take things that are prohibited from us, we might think we got away with it. Achan actually thought he got away with it for a period of time. Yet we never get away. We never get away with crossing God. And it isn't like God is over there trying to smash us like an ant. What he has done is he has built in, just like the law of gravity, what must come up, what goes up must come down. When we break the covenant relationship with God, when we sin, it brings death. When you sin in your marriage, it causes your marriage to die. When you sin at work, you lie, you cheat, it causes your relationship with that organization to die. You following me? You sin, you could lose your freedom. It's not like God is out there with a whip trying to, trying to whip us, trying to punish us. It's baked into the cake. When you lie to your spouse, you breed untrust, insecurity, suspicion, resentment. It isn't like God's stirring that up. That's the result of sin. God isn't speaking fear into your spouse's heart. You did it by sinning against your spouse. Sin brings death. Are you following me? I'm just, I, want the, I want the light to go on here. Because some people don't believe in God. They say, I can't believe in a God. Watch this. I can't believe in a God who sends people to hell. How can I ever believe in a God who sends people to hell? God don't send nobody to hell. They choose of their own to reject him. Think about this. How loving would God be if he forced someone to be with him for eternity who didn't want to be with him for one minute? How is that God's fault? No. See, one of the things that's important is that we have to take responsibility for ourselves. I've been doing this a long time. I talk to people who are still blaming their dad who died 20 years ago for why they're a bitter mess today. And their dad never died for their sins. Their dad didn't live a perfect life like Christ. Christ offers that person deliverance, but they choose to stay hurt, mad, and angry. See, what happens here, I'm setting, I'm setting up, I promise, I'm setting up. Here's the deal. Achan, the man who stole the stuff at Jericho, made a choice. He made a choice, and there were consequences. You can make the right choices, and there are benefits or we can make the wrong choices and there are consequences. And we know this is true because we teach this to our children, but do we know that they're true spiritually? Do we know that there's a kingdom dynamic here at work as well? Just like I as a father teach my children 
so does my heavenly father teach me. And so I have to make the right choices. We're going to make choices tonight. We're going to make choices tomorrow. As the pastor of Thrive Church, who cares deeply for you, and those of you who are listening at home, I want you to make the right choices so that it can go well for you and your children and your children's children, so that there can be a blessing on your life. But the truth is that if you're like me, there are times we have taken things that did not belong to us. There are times when we've lied. There are times when we have clearly and knowingly, consciously, fully aware there's a line that God drew, and yet we cross it. And we pay a price. See, Aiken shows us four choices that we can make. Four choices. The first one is this. Do we trust God or do we trust ourselves? Achan, in the moment, trusted himself more than he trusted God. God had very clearly said, hey, I'm going to give you Jericho. I'm going to give you this most amazing victory. But I'm telling you right now that you have to leave the treasure for me. Do not take it to your house. Now, again, let me remind you, does God need a couple of buckets of gold coins? Does God need your treasure? No, God's got everything. What God is teaching Israel is count on me, don't count on that. But God is teaching Israel, don't trust in gold, trust in God. You need to rely on me. You need to have eyes only for me. And Achan, in the midst of the battle, he finds this treasure and he decides to trust his own instincts instead of God's commandments. Now, this is, this is not old news. This could be new news. This is the doctrine of our society today. But you, you be careful with your kids and, 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 and educators and college students. Beware of the messaging that wants to make you the center of the universe, that, that teaches that you are the seat of all knowledge of good and evil, that you are the supreme authority for your life. Be careful. It is cloaked in dignity. It's cloaked in this idea of self-worth, but it is idolatry. We are not the seat of all knowledge. They'll teach us. They'll preach to your kids. They'll preach to you that no one can tell you what's right or wrong. Right or wrong is an old religious uh, artifact of our ancestors. No, no, no. We're more enlightened than that. Do whatever pleases you, whatever makes you happy. You be on the seat. You sit on the throne. That's what Achan did. See, Achan's instincts kicked in. His instinct kicked in, and he says, you know what? I know what God said, but this is really going to be good for me. This will be, I, I, he might have even cloaked it in. You know what? If I can take this, my kids will be okay from now on. There'll be an inheritance for my grandchildren. And who's going to miss it? He gave in to his instincts, and his instincts were wrong. Because he is not, Achan is not God. And neither am I. Are you following me? See, what we have to do is trust God. Don't just believe in him. Don't just acknowledge he's there. 
Trust him. There's a story of a businessman who was uh, offered a, 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 like a private flight to the city where he was going to conduct business. And they said his wife could go with him on this business trip. Could he part business, part pleasure. And so the husband went to his wife and said, I'm so excited because I get, I get to take you with me. We're going to go to the city and I got a couple meetings, but, but we're also going to be put up in a nice hotel and we'll be able to have some fun. And she says, okay, great. And he says, you know, one of the funnest parts of it is that, is that someone's going to fly us in his Cessna, his little plane. A Cessna is a small plane, like a private plane. And she looked at him and she says, what's a Cessna? And he says, it's a little plane. It'll be us and the pilot. And she says, oh, honey, I don't think I'll go. He says, well, why not? And she says, I just don't want to get on that little plane. And he said, well, but it's a good pilot and, you know, it's good weather. And, and, and she says, I just, I just, sweetie, honey, honey, sugar plum, honey bear, baby cakes, whatever she called him. She said, I love you, but I, and I know, I know you, I know this is, I know you mean well, but I'm not going to go. So what did this good husband do? His good husband says, okay. He gets on his online and he gets two tickets on a 747 to get them from where they are to this city. And she gladly went. You know why? Because the plane was bigger. The plane was bigger. Can I tell you that the God we serve is not a Cessna? He's a 747. He's the biggest plane you can get on. Not only that, he's like a 747 UFO. He defies gravity. He can never fall. He can never be late. He's never surprised by weather patterns. That's the God you serve. He's big enough to trust. And we got to trust him. He's not a flimsy plane. He's the God of the universe. That's why we tell you who he is, his nature, his qualities, his character. So you can trust him. And you have to. I'm talking to someone. Someone needs to hear this. You have to trust him and stop trusting your instincts. Because your instincts were birthed in dysfunction. Your parents taught you how to do things. They gave you an instinct. And it's crooked. And it keeps hurting your relationships. Hurting your relationships. And you're on a, you're, you're, some of those relationships are by a thread. You want to blame them, but it's your dysfunction. It's your instincts. God wants to deliver us from our own instincts. We have a sinful nature. He wants to give us a new nature. He wants to take the root out of the old instincts and discard them and give you a new impulse. So that when someone crosses you, when someone is rude to you in the store, the new instinct is to be kind, not to put up your dukes. The new instinct, when someone lies or hurts you, the new instinct isn't vengeance, because that's the old one. It's to forgive quickly. New instincts can't trust the old you. God wants to give us a new you. It comes from him. The second choice that we make is to desire whatever you can get your hands on or to desire peace with God. Can you say that with me? Peace with God. Not peace from God, but peace with God. 
See, this implies a relationship with God where you're at peace with him. You following that? Not just, oh, Lord, help me in this moment of trial, and he imparts you peace. I'm talking about living your life in such a way that you're at peace with God. Can I tell you that peace with God will take away your anxiety? Peace with God can defeat the fear that keeps you awake. Peace with God will lead you to a place where you can forgive those who have trespassed greatly against you. It's peace with God that man is searching for. He's searching for. The women around you at work, they're searching for peace with God. The men you work with are searching for peace with God. They find little snippets of peace. They call it peace, but it's really distraction. It could be an affair. It could be a raise. It could be a boat. It could be a trip. It's just, it's just a distraction from their misery, from their lack of peace. Are you following me? I'm gonna. What we want is the answer is peace with God. The problem is we settle for for the other things. Even Christians can, by the way. Christians can. You you know, it's interesting when, or it's fun. I think it can be fun. I have four kids, and when when you walk out in the backyard, I don't know if this ever happened to you, you walk out in the backyard and you find your kid, maybe a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old in the backyard, all muddy, all playing in the dirt. They found a place and they're playing in the dirt. How, How many know what I'm talking about? You might even take a picture. Look how cute, kid playing in the dirt, right? And, 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 you know, they're already dirty. So you're like, oh, play, you know, go ahead. And then at some point, though, you got to get them out of the dirt because they think the dirt is a toy and they think the dirt is a snack. They'll be, a, nah, 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 you know, putting in there, making mud pies and eating them. You get that child and you go and you bathe them and you, you know, it's cute. It's fine. They don't know they're kids. But what, what would happen if you came across a 22-year-old playing in the dirt? Playing in the dirt, putting dirt on him and smiling at you like he's cute, hoping he'll take a picture, put it on social media. You find someone eating dirt, you're calling 911. You're calling for an intervention. Can I get a witness? A 22-year-old does not belong playing in the dirt. They should know by then that the dirt is not a toy and the dirt is not a snack. There are believers who have been in Christ 15 years, and they'll still find a way to play in some dirt. They still think it's acceptable. They'll take that dirt and put it on them, not even realizing how shameful it is to find someone who's been in Christ five, eight, ten years, diving back into the filth of their past, consuming it, not knowing the harm it could potentially do to them. We have got to leave the dirt alone. We have got to stop with the distractions. We have got to be done with it and choose peace with God as the source of our purpose in life. 
And until we do, let me tell you, until as long as we're playing in some part of the dirt, willfully playing. I'm not saying, because nobody's perfect. Can I get a witness? Any perfect people, I'll find a cross. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, right? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we got to be devoted. We got to be committed. Instead of making excuses for a plunge in the mud, a weekend with the fellas, we got to stop with that stuff. We can't have little pockets of this in our lives because there's weakness in that situation. There are hidden things in there. You cannot stand with buried idols. You cannot stand. Are you with me? The third thing is you got to make your choice. You got to make your choice. Will you choose the counterfeit or the authentic? Will you choose the counterfeit or the authentic? I entitled the message, You Cannot Stand with Buried Idols. But if you notice, the text itself in Joshua does not describe any of the treasure as an actual idol. So why did I call it this? Two reasons. Number one, some of the oldest rabbinic tradition says that one of the pieces that Achan stole that Achan stole was an idol. In fact, it describes it as being made of various metals and having a golden tongue and that it was endowed with magic, magical powers. And so according to the oldest Jewish teaching, it was in fact, one of the pieces was in fact an idol. But let me tell you something that's more important than that. Whether or not there was an actual figure in the cash that Achan took, or if it was just money, it was in fact an idol. Anything that we put, anyone that we put ahead of God is an idol. Anyone or anything that you put, anyone or anything you fear more than God is an idol. Anyone or anything that you love more than God is an idol. Anyone or anything that you respect more than God is an idol. And so we have got to do some investigative work. Is there anything, Lord, that I worry more about than pleasing you? Is there anyone that can tell me to do something contrary to the principles in your word and I'll do them? Is there someone who wields more authority than you over my life? If so, Lord, I repent because that's an idol. And those with hidden idols will not stand. See, what Achan settled for was the counterfeit. He settled for the creation instead of the creator. He settled for the things of this earth instead of the one who, who, who abides in all of eternity, the heavenly one. He settled for an imitation, an imposter, and forsook the genuine person, the genuine thing. Are you following me? That's the choice he made. He chose it. He is personally responsible. 
It wasn't Joshua for not being clear. It wasn't his wife for wanting more. It wasn't his kids for being selfish. It wasn't his dad for putting pressure on him. Achan chose the counterfeit over the authentic. Do not be fooled. I want to pull the robe off of the world. I want to, I want to unveil the lie. The things you can grab with your hand are temporary. The things you know in your heart, those are eternal. Those will keep you much more secure. They'll keep your children much more secure than a financial inheritance. Passing on to your children the love and fear, respect of God will take them farther than you can give them in a will and testament. Go ahead, praise them if you want to praise them today. Give them the real thing. Give them the real thing. The last choice, the fourth choice, is will you fall or will you stand? It's your call. It's your choice. Don't blame the devil. He don't have as much power as some people think. You have, the, you have the choice. Achan chose to fall. No one made him do it. God wants you to stand. Dignity. Worth. Value. Comes from him. He wants you resilient. He wants you holy. That, mean, that, that doesn't mean you, you, you glow. It means you're set apart. Your life is set apart. Your parenting is set apart. Your resources are set apart. Your, your network connections are set apart. You set apart your talent. You set apart your body. You set apart your time for the will of God. That's what it means to be holy. Set apart. God wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be firm. He wants you to be trustworthy, dependable. He wants you to build on a rock, not to build on a sand. Why? Because the storms will come. And you got to stand or you got to fall. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. It's not the storm that determines whether you fall. It's you. It's you. It's not the devil who determines whether you fall. It's you. Look what, how Paul puts it to the, to the Christians in Ephesus. He says to them, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can what? Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Stop fighting with people. Stop getting mad at your cousin. Stop slamming the door on your wife or your husband. Your struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Now watch this. So that what? So that what? Yeah, yeah, let's read it again. So that what? When the day of evil comes. We'll just stop right there. When the day of evil comes, 
Paul's telling Christians, hey, the day of evil's coming. Hey, heads up, there'll be trouble. Paul's telling Christians, hey, watchale. That's how he used to tell me when I was a kid, growing up in the barrio, in La Padre. Hey, watchale, hey. It, it means watch out. Heads up. There's trouble coming. Be ready so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to what? Stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And then he says, stand firm then. Paul is telling these believers, stand, stand, stand. Put on the armor of God. Get ready. Be prepared. Know your word. Live a righteous life. Get saved. Walk with truth. Know the gospel of peace. Have your faith ready. Because the day of evil's coming. You can do this. You can do this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do this. You can stand against the confusion. You can stand in the midst of pain. You can have tremendous loss and it's real and it really, really hurts and it's really, really bad, but you can stand. Sometimes all that matters is that you stood. Some people want to run, they want to jump. I'm telling you, there have been days it was good enough that I stood. Good enough for Lori. Good enough for my kids. It was good enough for my church. But that day, I stood. There was no jumping or shouting or walls falling. It was just me and my battle. I stood and it passed. And if I would have fallen, my choice not the church for pressuring me or not my wife for not listening not my kids for not obeying mine it would have been my fault not the Lord's for forsaking me and not the devil's for being stronger than me my fault Achan made his choice what will yours be it's up to us would you stand with me? Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.